Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you all so much for coming. So this episode is about options. And uh, at the start, I should tell you that options are not for everybody uh, because they are just more complicated than stocks to understand. And uh, some, some people may feel that uh, this is not really worth the amount of effort or something like that. And that is totally understandable. Options are not for everybody. But before coming to that decision, whether options are for us or they are not for us, it's a good idea to try and learn the fundamentals of what exactly an option is, how do they work, what, what, what are some of the benefits that they can give us, what are some things they can add to our portfolio, and uh, what, what are some of the risks that are involved with options, things like that. A, a bunch of basic facts about options. Uh, so when I first got into options trading, this was uh, maybe six or seven years ago, I made a large number of mistakes and I lost a lot of money. And so this episode is something like all the things that I wish I knew when I started first buying and selling options. So that, that is what I want this episode to be. And the thing with options is uh, you can get as fancy as you like. They are such a flexible instrument that uh, you, you can uh, shoot yourself in the foot any, any number of ways. Uh, so it is, it is really, really important to understand the fundamentals well. Uh, now, this particular episode, uh, we, are, we are just going to talk about the basics. What, what is an option? Uh, what are the different kinds of options? Uh, what, what's the difference between a call option and a put option? What is a strike price? When, when is an option in the money and when is it out of the money? Things like that. Very, very basic stuff about options. Now, it is possible to get far more advanced. And uh, there have been people who have built enormous amounts of fortunes on options trading and things like that. Uh, one of my heroes, Ed Thorpe, um, he actually, he, he discovered the Black-Scholes formula for options pricing even before Black and Scholes discovered that formula. And he, he, was, he was quietly using that formula to make uh, you know, uh, uh, mil millions of dollars. Uh, and, and then Black and Scholes published their, their formula and then everybody knew about it. But even before that, he was, he was just using it to make millions of dollars. Um, and so um, Ed Thorpe is a, is a mathematician. And so when he discovered this, this formula, um, discovering this formula is not, not very easy. It requires um, a fair amount of math. It requires understanding a little bit about algorithms. It requires uh, understanding um, recursive thinking and uh, binomial uh, uh, pricing models and uh, a fair amount of probability and statistics. So you can see immediately just, just the, the one of the earliest formulas in the, in the field of options theory, the Black-Scholes formula, just that formula requires uh, so much of math uh, to understand properly. So it, it's possible to get very, very advanced and very, very um, complicated fairly quickly with options. But in this particular episode, we'll, we'll try not to do that. Uh, we'll try to stick to the basics. And if, if you guys are interested, uh, I can do a, a follow-on episode later that gets into some of the more advanced uh, stuff. But this episode, I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, so first things first, uh, what is an option? So I, I like to think of it like this. An option basically gives you the right uh, to do something, to, to buy or sell a stock in the future. Uh, now, if you have the option, if you own the option, then you have this right. Now, the question is, okay, if I say buy or sell a stock in the future, the first question is, okay, which stock are we talking about? Are we talking about Apple? Are we talking about Microsoft and so on? The second thing is, okay, buy or sell this stock in the future, okay, buy or sell always has a price attached to it, right? So buy or sell at what price? And then when I say buy or sell this stock in the future, uh, there, there is some question about the future as well. How far into the future? Is it one year into the future? Is it one month into the future? One week into the future? And, and so on. So you see immediately that uh, 
when when i talk about the stock of apple that there is only one apple stock right at at the most you know there may be some companies that have two classes of stocks so for example berkshire might have berkshire a and berkshire b but that's it it's very very simple it's there's just one instrument there or two in, two instruments but with an option immediately okay you you could have the right to buy shares of apple at $200 a share no uh two months from now that that is one particular option or you could have uh the the right to sell uh apple at at the same $200 a share but three months from now that is a different option so a single stock like apple could be associated with hundreds or thousands of different options so that that is part of where the complexity of options comes from uh it's not as as simple as just saying an apple option it's uh, it, it, it you have to specify so many things you have to specify what exactly is this right so the right is it first of all is it the right to buy apple stock or is it the right to sell apple stock so the right to buy apple is called a call option and the right to sell uh, apple is called a put option so if you go and buy a call option that call option will give you the right to buy uh, 100 shares of apple and it's always in 100 share increments um, so so when when you uh, when you buy a particular options contract what what you have to do is uh, you're essentially buying the right uh, to buy 100 shares of apple sometime in the future so um, i'm i'm looking at my uh, brokerage Uh, uh so i i use charles schwab and i'm i'm looking at my uh brokerage page right now and i see that okay so 33 days from now uh, 6th of may 2022 there is an option uh, so uh, th- there is an option that lets me buy uh 100 shares of apple at 175 dollars per share and if i want this right if i want to buy this particular right uh, to to buy uh, shares of apple at 175 uh, that is going to cost me uh, $5.45 so so if i pay $5.45 per share and this is always in 100 share increment so i have to pay $545 if i pay $545 i can buy this right so now i have the right to buy 100 shares of apple uh, for $175 now if apple stock suddenly rises and if uh, if apple is trading at $300 a share at that time guess what i still have the right to buy it at $175 so i can buy it at $175 and then immediately sell it at $300 uh, to to pocket $125 per share uh, profit so uh, so that the uh, options are a way to uh, do this kind of leveraging so i i have committed only a small amount of capital so what whatever it cost me to buy this option 5 dollars and 45 cents that is all that i have committed but i can make an enormous amount of profit if the option goes my way but what happens if uh, the option if, if the if the stock goes the other way so what what happens if uh, apple uh, go, goes down so um let, let's say apple closes at 150 dollars a share um now i have this right to buy it at 175 dollars a share but why would i want to use this right because i i can go to the market and buy uh, apple shares at 150 dollars a share right so i i don't have to use this right and in fact i shouldn't use this right uh, to buy apple at 175 dollars so this right is just going to expire worthless and if it expires worthless what happens is this entire $5.45 that i paid to acquire this right now uh, that $5.45 per share uh, i have to kiss that uh, $5.45 goodbye uh, so so if the stock moves the way i want it to then buying this call option uh, can be very valuable but if the stock does not move the way i want it to then i can lose 100% of all the money that i put into the option so uh and and the same thing works with with put options as well with put options it is the right to sell apple not the right to buy apple so essentially if i buy uh, uh, a put option uh, 
which gives me the right to sell Apple at $175 a share. Now, uh, that put option, uh, my broker tells me that uh, the it, it last changed hands at $6 per share. So if I pay $6 per share, I can acquire this put option, uh, which lets me sell Apple at $175 a share. Now, uh, this put option becomes more valuable as the price of Apple goes down. So for example, if the price of Apple goes to $100 a share uh, in, in the next 33 days, then what I can do is I can buy Apple shares in the market for $100 a share. And then because I have this right to sell these shares at 175, I can go and make a $75 per share profit. So that's how put options work. So call options, they become more valuable as the, as the stock rises. Put options are essentially a bet that the stock will fall. So as the stock falls, uh, the, the put option becomes more and more valuable. Uh, so so uh, this particular option that I was talking about, um, both the call and the put option, they, they expire on uh, the 6th of May, 2022. That is 33 days from now. So this, the 6th of May is called the expiry date. And then um, this $175, which is the, the, the right to buy or sell Apple at $175 per share, that is called the strike price of the option. So there are a range of different, if you, if you just go to your broker's uh, webpage, uh, web website, and log in and look at the options, all the options that are available for Apple, you, you will see a wide range of uh, strike prices and a wide range of dates as well. And so uh, this, this is the basic idea behind an option. Now, uh, of course, I was talking only from the perspective of a buyer all this while. So I said I could buy a put option or I could buy a call option. But of course, any time somebody buys something, there should be someone on the other side of the trade to sell them that thing, right? So uh, if, if I buy 100 shares of Apple, uh, somebody must be selling those 100 shares of Apple to me, right? Same thing with options. If I, if I buy the right uh, to uh, buy Apple shares at $175 a share, then somebody must be selling that right to me. And that guy is the seller of the option. And when I say that this right costs me $5.45 to buy, essentially what I'm saying is I'm paying the seller of that option $5.45. So, so how will this trade look from the, from the seller's standpoint? Suppose the seller is selling me this call option. That means the seller is giving me the right to buy. That means if I tell the seller that, okay, I want to exercise this right to buy this, uh, buy 100 shares of Apple, then the seller is essentially making a commitment that he will sell me those shares at that price anytime I want before the option expires. So from the seller's standpoint, he's not getting a right, he's making a commitment. So when the seller sells a call option, what he's essentially doing is he's saying anytime in the next 33 days, if the buyer, of the option comes to him and says, I want to exercise my right. So give me these Apple shares at $175 a share. The seller must be willing uh, uh, and must be able to hand over those shares at that price. Now, this is a huge risk for the seller because if you think about it, Apple shares could be trading at any price between uh, now and 33 days from now, who knows if Tim Cook announces something about electric vehicles or something, something like that, uh, Apple shares could, could double. So uh, if the buyer of that option uh, comes to the seller and says, okay, now great, uh, Apple, Apple is trading at $400 a share, but you know, you sold me the right to buy it at 175. So I want to buy Apple at 175. So now if the seller does not have the shares, uh, what, what is the seller to do? The seller has to go to the market, buy those shares for whatever they're trading at, $400 a share or whatever. And then the seller has to give those shares to the buyer at 175 at the pre-arranged price. So this is a huge risk for the seller. The seller has to acquire shares at, 170, at $400 and then sell them to the buyer immediately at 175. And uh, so uh, 
the idea is that the seller will not do that unless he already has the shares. So if the seller already has the shares of Apple, he can say, okay, fine, I'll give you the right to buy these shares from me at, at 175. But if the seller does not have the shares and the seller just sells the option and hopes to pocket this $5.45 of premium, then he's taking a big risk. If the stock of Apple, if Apple stock rises sharply, the seller can face uh, uh, an unlimited amount of loss. So uh, sellers who try to sell options, sell a call option without owning the shares, they are taking a huge risk. This is called uh, selling a naked call option. And it's, it's a huge risk. So uh, one thing that I, I would impress upon all of you is that unless you know exactly what you're doing, don't deal in naked options. And similarly, what, what about the seller of a put option? So, so far we talked about the seller of a call option. So the seller of a put option essentially is giving the buyer the right to, to sell shares of Apple. So the buyer of the put option is buying the right to sell Apple shares. So what, what, when the buyer has a right to sell something, it means the guy who takes the other side of the trade, the seller, he's making a commitment to buy those shares of Apple. So if, if, if the seller sells a put option for 100 and, uh, at a strike price of $175, essentially what the seller is saying is, I am willing to buy Apple at $175 if you choose to exercise this right to sell Apple at $175 to me. And that is also uh, kind of a risk because the, the seller has made a commitment that he will buy Apple for 175, but what if Apple goes to 100, right? He still has to buy Apple at 175. So in exchange for making this commitment, of course, the seller gets to pocket that premium, that $6 per share, but still he's taking a big risk. And the other thing is uh, he needs cash. Um, so if the buyer decides uh, to, uh, to sell, so, so if the buyer decides to sell him the Apple shares, he has to pay cash to the buyer. So he, he has already agreed to buy Apple at $175 and we said this is 100 shares. So he needs $17,500 of cash if he sells one option contract to the buyer. If he does not, if the seller does not have $17,500 of cash uh, to be able to give the buyer, he should not even sell this option. Because if he sells this option, there is a chance that the option gets exercised. And uh, so, so, so if you sell the option, but you don't have the cash on hand, that, that is called selling a naked put. And so again, if, if you don't have the stock on hand, don't sell the call option. If you don't have cash on hand, don't sell the put option. So uh, the, the, these are basic things, uh, but lots of people get burned uh, because they don't really know the difference between uh, calls and puts and what exactly are, are you buying a right or are you making a commitment to somebody? So what happens when you sell an option? What happens when you buy an option? Things like that. Uh, so, okay. So, so far I've described uh, the, the mechanics of options. So what is a call and what is a put? What's the expiry date? What is the strike price? Uh, what happens when you buy a call? What happens when you buy a put? What happens when you sell a call? And what happens when you sell a put? So this is the mechanics. Now the question is, okay, how is this useful? How do investors typically use options as part of their portfolio? Well, uh, there are lots of ways to use options. So one very common way to use options is for income. So if, if I own, say, uh, 10,000 10, shares of Apple, now, uh, I may not be able to live off of the dividends that Apple is paying me because uh, uh, Apple's dividend yield is not that, that high. But uh, I own 10,000 shares of Apple. So uh, let's say Apple is trading at some, something like $170 or something like that today. I can sell uh, options uh, to, so, so I, I can sell uh, a call option to somebody, giving them the right to buy these shares of Apple from me. And I can choose what strike price I want. So I, I can say, okay, I, I will sell you uh, the, the $190 uh, call option. 
So that means I am agreeing to sell my shares at 190 uh, exercising that right. And in return for that, I will get some premium from the buyer. And this premium is something like a dividend yield for me because I own the shares and then um, I'm using these shares to uh, make some money uh, from the buyer by selling these options. And so that, that premium, when the buyer gives me the premium, that, that is for me to keep. But then of course, there is the risk that comes with the premium, which is that the buyer may uh, decide that he wants to buy the shares from me after all. So then I'll have to sell the shares. And when I, when I do sell the shares, I have to pay uh, capital gains taxes and things like that. So it's, it's not a risk-free uh, uh, dividend, but it, is, uh, it, it has the potential uh, to give me uh, a lot of income uh, for the shares that I have. So I, I can make something like say, say 1% 1, 1 a month or something like that on my Apple holdings. If I, if I do that, uh, I make roughly 12% per year if, if, if I can keep rolling this over, right? And uh, Apple, uh, last I checked, it, it, it definitely doesn't pay a 12% uh, dividend yield. So, so this is a way to get a reasonable amount of income. So a lot of people use options this way. Uh, then there are some people who use options to uh, protect their portfolio. So uh, if you're worried that there may be a big crash around the corner, right? So uh, you, you may think that, uh, the, let's say in the, in the last crash, what happened uh, in, in, in the, uh, during uh, the, the COVID in March, 2020, what happened was uh, the, the S&P 500 fell, uh, I, I think it was something of the order of 30% or something like that, right? Uh, so if you're worried about a 30% crash, uh, one thing you can do is you can buy put options on the S&P 500. So, so you can actually buy uh, put options, not, not just on, um, uh, on stocks, but you can also buy put options on, on indices and uh, ETFs. Uh, so so if, I, if I have, uh, say, Vanguard's S&P 500 ETF, uh, I, I believe it's called VOO, v -O -O, uh, I can actually buy a put option on that index. And I can say, okay, fine, uh, I'm, I'm willing to, uh, uh, so, so I, I will part with a small amount of premium on, on my side, but then I have this put option, which gives me the right to sell this index at this price. And if the index drops 30%, I, I, I don't really care because I still have this right to sell, uh, sell this index at a much higher price, right? So I, I'm essentially insulated. My, my portfolio is protected from these kinds of big losses. And there are people uh, who specialize exclusively in this kind of strategy. So the idea is you, ha you have to continuously keep rolling over these, uh, these put options. But of course, when you, uh, when you keep rolling over put options, that can become very expensive very quickly. Because every time you roll over the put option, you, you have to part with a certain amount of premium, right? And if something like a COVID crash is, uh, is a rare thing, it, it happens maybe once in 10 years or something like that, but you are paying this premium every single month or something like that, then uh, you, you can't pay too much in premiums because uh, then that, that, that will eat into, uh, so, so you, you, you make a tremendous amount of profit, uh, say one, once in 10 years, but then uh, for every month during those 10 years, you're bleeding a little bit every month. So you have to manage the trade-offs very carefully if you're doing this kind of thing. And uh, if, if you want to learn more about this kind of portfolio insurance, protecting the portfolio, um, I, I recommend the work of uh, Mark Spitznagel. Uh, he, he's written some books on this and he, he's, got, um, he's got lots of ideas on how to do this kind of tail risk hedging uh, strategy. So people use options for, for that kind of thing as well. Um, so so the, the, these are some of the things that people use options for. The, you, you, you can become very, very fancy with options. So, so uh, for example, I, I just described four simple strategies, buying a call, buying a put, selling a call and selling a put, right? Um, you, you can think about doing more, more, more than one of these at, at the same time. So there are all kinds of advanced option strategies. Uh, they, they, they go by uh, uh, names like uh, spreads and straddles and condors and butterflies and all that. There, there, there's, there's just uh, an enormous number of different kinds of option strategies. And each strategy is 
targeted at a particular kind of investor uh, who wants uh, his portfolio to be uh, either protected in a particular way or he wants to make a bet in a particular kind of way and so on. So there's, there's no end to how complicated you can get uh, with this. But these are the broad basics of options. And uh, so, so I, I hope I did justice to this. In, uh, <laughs> so, so I've been talking about options for, for about half an hour or so. Uh, so there are just two more uh, things that I want to mention, uh, and then I'll start taking questions. Uh, so, so the first thing I want to mention is uh, options are not super liquid instruments. So if you want to go and buy Apple stock, um, the, the stock is very, very liquid. But typically with options, um, well, maybe for a large company like uh, Apple, the options may be liquid. But if you want to buy options on a smaller company or something like that, um, the stock is typically far more liquid than options. So generally with options, there is a bid ask spread. So um, if you want to buy a particular option, uh, you may say I'm willing to pay X, but then the seller may be asking for something more than X. And uh, the gap between what the seller is asking for and what you are willing to pay as a buyer, uh, that gap is usually very small for stocks, but for options, it can be quite significant. Uh, so one, uh, one sort of uh, uh, cautionary uh, principle is uh, don't trade options using market orders because you never know at what price uh, those orders will get filled. So when, when you're trading options, always use limit orders. So this is a very, very basic thing. Uh, everybody who trades options knows that they have to place limit orders and not market orders. Uh, but th this, is, this is something nobody ever uh, teaches you. <laughs> and uh, it took me a while to, to figure this out. Uh, so so I'm, I'm telling you <laughs> uh, because it took me a while to figure this out. Uh, so so that, that is one, one point I wanted to make. And uh, the, the second point I wanted to make is uh, taxes. So uh, options are, um, so the, the tax treatment of options, at least in the US, is uh, fairly complicated. So it depends on whether you're long the option or short the option. So if, if you're long the option, meaning you have bought the option, uh, then, then there, are, there are only three things that can happen to you. One is um, you, you, you you sell the option to somebody else. So, so you buy this option, but then you sell the option to someone else. That, that can happen. And then you'll have a capital gains or a capital loss as the case may be. If you sold the option for a higher price than what you bought it, you have a gain. Otherwise you have a loss. That, that is one thing that can happen. Uh, the, the second thing that can happen is uh, you hold the option all the way to maturity and then the option just expires worthless. Uh, so then you, you've realized a loss because you when you bought the option, you paid a premium. And then uh, now, uh, you've uh, uh, essentially uh, the, the option has expired worthless. So you've lost your entire premium. So that, that is a loss. Uh, so that's the second thing that can happen with the option. And then the third thing that can ha happen with the option is you decide to exercise that the right that the option gives you. So if you exercise the right and then you acquire some stock, then um, let, let's say you, you uh, we, we had this option that gave us the right to buy 100 shares of Apple at $175 a share. We exercise this right. Uh, so so we um, we shell out $70,500 uh, to, to, to buy these uh, uh, 100 shares of Apple. So our cost basis in Apple is $175 per share. But then we also spent uh, a premium to get this right, right? So um, the, the premium was uh, uh, $5.45. So uh, the, the way the tax treatment works is we will treat um, the cost of our Apple shares not as $175 per share, but as $175 plus $545, which is $180.45 a share. So tomorrow, if we sell Apple at $300 a share or something like that, our profit will be 300 minus this 180.45 not 300 minus 175. That, that is the way the tax treatment works. So when you're dealing with options, you, you sort of have to know very clearly uh, what are all the possible things that can happen and in each possible outcome, how you will be taxed. Um, so, and, and the rules are different depending on whether you're the seller of an option or the buyer of an option. So uh, if, if you're the buyer of an option, you can, uh, in, in certain cases you have the, uh, 
ability to take advantage of long-term versus short-term capital gains. Uh, whereas if you're the seller of an option, uh, nearly always you, your, your gains are treated as short-term capital gains. And, and so, so you should be aware of the tax treatment. Um, so the, and the, the final thing that you have to be aware of is uh, this, this distinction between American options and European options. Um, so with an, with an American option, uh, it's more flexible. Uh, so if I buy an American option, so so all the all the options that I'm talking about, uh, uh, any any stock that trades on a U.S. stock exchange, Apple or Microsoft or anything like that, uh, if if you're trading in the U.S., you're probably uh, using an American option. And the American option is great because it gives you the ability to exercise this option any time between when you buy it and when the option expires. Whereas with a European option, you don't have that flexibility. You have to, if you want to exercise that option, you have to exercise it only on the on the day the option expires, not before. Whereas with an American option, you can exercise it anytime you want from the day you buy until the day it expires. So one thing to be very careful about is if you're in a particular country and you're, uh, you're, you've decided that you want to trade options, you have to know whether the options that you're trading are American options or European options. Do you have the ability to exercise them anytime or do you have the ability to exercise them only on the day of expiry? So that, that is very important. So broadly speaking, these are all the things that I wanted to cover and um, I'll be happy to um, answer questions or if, if you guys want to uh, share some pointers that you've learned the hard way about options, uh, that, that is also welcome. So. Um, yeah, let's let's start uh, taking callers. We have one caller, uh, Pushka Sharma. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hello, uh, Yeah, I can hear you, but I think um, you I, sound a I, little bit garbled to me. Uh, could everyone. you speak a little bit louder, please? Yes, sir. Uh, hello. So I love hello. Thank you, Ivers. All the threads we had, and I loved the last episode with Jason Buck. It was an amazing episode. I really wanted you to check that out. So the question I have for you, Tenk, is that if someone is actively engaging in scalping, you have to look at the algorithm every day. You have to check out the open interest. It is very engaging. Can options help someone who is scalping every day to be a bit more passive in his trading? Uh, I'm so sorry. I didn't hear the last part of that uh, question. Can uh, options yeah. help somebody so, with what? With a strategy that is more passive compared to a scalper, active scalper. Uh, well, it sort of depends on what you're doing, I guess. But... Um, I actually think options are the other way around. They are uh, they require constant attention. Uh, uh, so, so for one thing, options are much more volatile than stocks usually. So you can you can have a stock, uh, and most days the stock can go up maybe one percent or fall down maybe one percent uh, most days. But options, it is very very common for options to go up ten percent and fall down ten percent in a, in a single day. It's very very common. Uh, so if you are going to be trading options, you have to be very cognizant of the fact that things can change under you all the time. And so uh, if you want a passive strategy, you just want to buy and hold or something like that, uh, then options are most likely not the right right kind of bet uh, for you. So, um, that, that, so, so even, even a simple thing, like if you want to protect your portfolio, from a big drawdown, right? Uh, it, Im implementing Mark Spitznagel's strategy requires you to uh, constantly keep rolling over these put options. So every, every month or so, you, you buy put options uh, that expire two months down the line, and uh, you, you sell your uh, uh, put options when they expire, uh, when the expiry date is within a month or something like that. So this requires you to sort of log into your brokerage account and uh, sell these put options and buy other put options to replace them and, and so on. So it, it is not a passive uh, vehicle. It's very much an active vehicle. Thank you so much. Thank you.
so so the next caller is uh, ricardo hello are you hearing me uh, yes i can hear you um good afternoon i would like to say thanks again tenti for having this program i started listening about a month ago and have to say that my knowledge of investment due to your program has increased dramatically even right now i'm looking on my whiteboard with your letters that you recommended as recommended reading by warren buffett is 2007 2013 1986 <laughs> and i'm trying to go through one by one i with regards to today's program option it's something i've always seen in um stock newsletter say same things like director exercise their option to purchase shares at so and so price right i would like you to touch on that a little bit and the second part to that question tente is i as a novice i always wonder when they exercise their right to buy these shares where what's the source of these shares is it from the company is it from the open market um right. like some so that's my question and once again thank you very much for having this program right so so when a uh, uh, there, there are two two different kinds of options so there there are uh, uh, the, the the kinds of options that you and i can buy uh, and when we decide to uh, if we decide to exercise those options uh, then essentially uh, uh, there are no new shares that are issued or anything like that so uh, if if i buy a call option and then i decide to exercise it whoever uh, sold me the call option has to be willing to sell me the shares so and if he doesn't have the shares he has to go and buy the shares on the market but uh, when when you look at uh, the directors of companies and even employees at uh, at companies when they get uh, stock options uh, and they decide to exercise them uh, so who is giving them the the stock option it's the company that they work for and uh, the stock is something like the company's currency and so uh, when um, uh, when 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 the director of a company decides to exercise a particular option that he has been given uh by the company uh then um w- what happens is um he, he pays the company a certain amount of money so so the company gives him a right to say buy buy shares of the company at 100 dollars a share or whatever so he uh gives those 100 dollars of share uh 100 dollars per share to the company and then in return the company just issues shares out of thin air and gives it to the director now of course that is going to increase the number of shares outstanding so now uh, th- there are now 100 extra sh- uh, shares that they have given to this director that did not exist previously so some companies what they do is when they do these kinds of uh, uh, share issuances they also uh, parallelly go go to the market and buy back shares and retire them so um, so, so in in that case if if a company is Uh, issuing shares to be given away as uh, uh, director uh, stock options or uh, employee stock options uh, but then at the same time the company is buying back those shares in the market uh, from the market then uh, it's it's like a wash right it's it's almost as though the shares uh, whoever had those shares in the market uh, uh, that that guy uh, uh, who sold it back to the company uh, it's it's like a transfer of shares from that guy to the director without any dilution right so so the net effect of all this is maybe may zero dilution um, but uh, the the way the, the 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 mechanics of these different kinds of options uh, are slightly different thank you very much sure uh, so the the next caller is uh, stepson rami Hey, thanks for uh, taking the time to do this, 10K. Um, sure. I haven't I haven't done anything with options before, and I'd like to learn. I wonder, is there a couple of resources you'd recommend for learning more about options? Uh, yes, I I can recommend uh, a couple of resources, but unfortunately, uh, you are not going to like the the length of these resources. So there is this very very nice book about options called Option Volatility and Pricing. 
so it's it's uh, written written by this uh, this guy called Sheldon Natenberg, and uh, that that is a very very good book about options. Uh, but the thing is, it's uh, it's about 800 pages long, or something something like 847 pages. If you really want to learn about options uh, for the long haul, I think it is worth it to read this book from cover to cover. Uh, then there is another book by John Hull. Uh, that, that's also a similarly long book. And uh, that, that is also a kind of a Bible of, uh, uh, that has to do not just with options, but with all kinds of different derivatives. So options are a specific class of derivative. Um, and it's called a derivative because uh, an option by itself uh, does not really have any value. Its value goes up and down based on the value of the underlying stock, right? So if it's an Apple call option, um, the, the 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 price at which the option trades will depend very strongly on the price at which Apple, the stock, is trading. So these, these options are a special class of instruments called derivatives. And John Hull's book is actually about all kinds of different derivatives, not just options. Uh, but his treatment of options in that book is very comprehensive. So these are two resources that I will recommend. If you're uh, sort of serious about options and you want to learn uh, learn learn the subject really well and properly uh, but it, it is going to require a certain amount of time investment because th these are not short books sure thank you thank you for recommending um, sure I also I also considered maybe to just practice you know paper trade options with interactive brokers or something similar is that uh, a good idea to just kind of get started without putting actual money on the line uh, yes, uh, I, I, th I think that's a good idea simply because uh, it will teach you uh, so many concepts associated with these options. Uh, so uh, what happens if you sell a call option or you buy a put option or something like that? Uh, I, I still I, I'm the kind of guy who, who thinks uh, very slowly and deliberately about these things. Uh, so. To me, uh, I, I would always reason from first principles. Uh, so so if, if I say sell a call option, I will, I will start thinking about, okay, what is a call option? It's, it's the right to buy stock. Okay, if I'm selling a call option, I'm giving somebody else the right to buy stock. Uh, that, that means I must be prepared to sell the stock uh, to that person. I'm making a commitment that I will sell the stock at that price and, and things like that. So just to get acquainted with all these different terminology and uh, uh, just the basic concepts. Uh, it, it takes a while before uh, these concepts get internalized. And so I think for that reason, it's, it's a great idea to uh, paper trade uh, options. But uh, I, I don't know if interactive brokers is the right way to do it. I, I've tried to use interactive brokers and it's, it's just ridiculously complicated for me. I mean, I, I, I try to get them um, to give me a statement, a monthly statement of all the transactions. And, and the, you know, they, they, they made me stand on my head and uh, click uh, several buttons. And uh, I, I had to be in uh, like an octopus. I had to have eight different fingers, <laughs> different parts <laughs> and so on. It's just the, the, the interface is so unintuitive that I don't know how anyone ma manages to use interactive brokers. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, I use Charles Schwab as my main broker and I, I'm very happy with them. Uh, Although I, I don't know if they have a paper trading option or not. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I'll look around a little. Good good note on interactive brokers. I hadn't tried that yet. I'd heard about paper trading with him. So thank you for the, uh, thank you for the answers to the questions. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so the next caller is Justin. Yeah. Hi, Tenke. Uh, thanks for Hello. taking my question. I'm just wondering, can you talk a little bit about um, leaps, like longer term options, or just buying longer term uh, call options and how this might uh, be incorporated as a strategy for uh, stocks that you're long term bullish about? Thanks. Right, right. Uh, so uh, leaps are essentially uh, uh, options that have a long term expiry. So if you, if you buy an option, that expires in the next one month or something like that, that's not called a leap. Whereas uh, if you buy an option whose expiry date is say two years into the future or something like that, that is called a leap. So this the exact same concepts and principles that apply to uh, short-term options also apply to long-term options, except that 
in the long term, there are lots, lots more things that can happen than in the short term. So one of the fundamental uh, concepts in probability is uh, this, this idea of a, of a Brownian walk. So essentially, uh, Im imagine a drunkard, okay? And this drunkard is taking either a step to the right or a step to the left at any, uh, uh, every minute or so. So at the end of five minutes, uh, where, where all can the drunkard be? Well, at the end, uh, end of five minutes, the drunkard has taken five steps. So he, he could be either five steps to the right or five steps to the left or somewhere in the middle, that's all. But suppose you give the drunkard, um, um, say 25 minutes. Now the range of outcomes for the drunkard is much greater. He can be 25 steps away in either direction, right? So the same thing is true with options. So uh, the longer the amount of time uh, that, ex uh, the, that the option has to expire, uh, the greater the amount of premium that you have to pay to acquire that option. So um, an option that's, that's going to expire, say three days from now, uh, it may be trading very cheaply. You, you, you may be able to uh, buy it for, uh, for, for, for just you know, may, maybe a few cents even. Uh, but uh, the, the same Apple option. So let's, let's go back to, to this example with, with Charles Schwab. So an option, um, so we, we had this Apple option, the, the right to uh, buy Apple at $175 a share, right? So uh, the option that is expiring in 33 days, that option can be bought for $5.45. But the same option, uh, Let's, let's say we wanted to expire uh, uh, about a year from now. So, so 348 days, which is roughly a year. So if I want an option that gives me the right to buy shares of Apple 348 days from now, so anytime between now and 17th March, 2023. Now that option, I cannot buy it for $5.45. I have to spend $19.85 to buy that option because between now and a year from now, a lot, lot of things can happen with Apple. Whereas between now and a month from now, that many things cannot happen. So the longer an option is, uh, uh, the, the longer the amount of time to expire, the pricier the option. And so when you, uh, if, if you're long-term bullish about Apple, uh, so the question now is, uh, let, let, let's say you think Apple is going to do very well as a company uh, in, in the next one year. Uh, so you, you buy the, uh, Apple is trading some, something uh, at something like $175 a share right now. Now you can buy this option saying, okay, I think Apple will go to $200 a share or higher. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to buy this right to acquire Apple at 175 because guess what? That right is going to become very valuable uh, one, one year from now. But then just to acquire the right, you have to pay $19.85 a share. So uh, you don't really make money on, uh, on, on this option until Apple rises by $19.85 a share uh, over and above the strike price. So, so you want Apple to essentially go to 175 plus 19.85. So you, you want Apple to go to $194.85 a share one year from now. So now the question you have to ask yourself is, are you that bullish on Apple that you're willing to pay this extra premium uh, to, to buy this leap? Um, the the other, other thing is, if you, if you buy stock in Apple, uh, that stock, uh, there's a very low probability that that stock is going to go to zero. Whereas if you buy this option, uh, yes, it's true. You, you can control a much larger number of shares by spending a much smaller amount of money that is leverage but you can lose it all. So if Apple doesn't breach that level, $194.85, then this option is just going to expire worthless. And so you've lost the entire amount of money that you sunk into this. So you have to ask yourself, you, you've got to be really bull, bullish on Apple uh, in order to buy this option. And uh, you, when you buy this option, you have to be right, not just about the, the stock, that the stock has to go up over time, you, you, you also have to be right about the timing because if, if Apple is a great company and uh, let's say it doubles in the next five years, but in the next one year, it does absolutely nothing, then you've lost all your money. 
so so these these are some of the things that you have to keep in mind <laughs> when you when you do this uh, leaps thing does does that answer the question uh yes it does thank you sure uh so so the next caller is uh, vinod is a regular caller on the show hi tanke uh, sorry, I joined a bit late. I don't know whether uh, it is still around my question, but anyway, I will uh, make an attempt. Sure. Um, so basically, the option um, strategy, right? So uh, as a long-term fundamental investor, how do we see, how do we utilize this instrument to boost the portfolio returns? Um, do you follow any strategies uh, to use option as an another tool to maybe boost your returns apart from all the fundamental analysis uh, that we typically do and also if, uh, my second question is on the hedging strategies um, um, say for example if you try to have you have you come across any or maybe have you practically used any hedging strategies like buying both call and put option on the same stock price and in the anticipation either it will go down or it will it will uh, maybe come down. Maybe the one, anyone will uh, work in your favor. So uh, have you maybe uh, tried out any hedging strategies? Maybe you can, if you can talk on these lines, probably that would be really good. Thank you. Uh, sure. So, so they are both excellent questions. So the first question is, uh, do fundamental investors really need to worry about options or not? So uh, the answer is it depends. So there are plenty of fundamental investors who do just fine without uh, getting into options at all. Um, but I am not one of those fundamental investors. I, I like options, maybe because I like probability theory so much. <laughs> uh, so so I, I, I uh, have a lot of fun uh, with, with options. And there are lots of ways that fundamental investors can use options for their uh, portfolio. So for example, in the, in the last, uh, last year, about 50% uh, of the profits that I made uh, in, in my portfolio came from options and the other 50% came from stocks. And I, I do things like uh, selling uh, calls. So so let, let, let's say I think a stock uh, is worth $100 a share, right? Now, um, I, I think that is my uh, estimate of intrinsic value of this stock. So uh, let, let's say I'm willing to pay $100 a share uh, to to acquire this stock. If I buy this stock at $100 a share, then um, let's say I'm I'm get I, I'm reasonably sure of getting a 10% return. Now um, I could of course go and buy the stock for $100. Uh, that that is one way to play this. So if I want a 10% return, if I'm happy with a 10% return, then I think buying the stock at $100 is a good way to get 10% long term. But Suppose I can go and uh, sell an option. Uh, so so I, I can I can sell an option uh, to buy uh, the share at at hundred dollars a share. So essentially, what what this means is I'm giving a commitment to somebody that I will buy these shares at hundred dollars, no matter what price they are trading at at that time, at some future time. So uh, I'm giving them the right to sell the shares to me at $100. So this is a this is a put option. So I've, I've sold a put. Uh, now, suppose I get a $2 uh, premium for that. Uh, and let's say this put expires in a, in a month or something like that. So uh, even if the stock goes nowhere, uh, I get to pocket this $2 uh, uh, per share. So what I have to do is uh, when I make this commitment, to this person that I will buy the shares for $100. I have to set aside $100 because anytime this guy may come to me and say, you know, buy the shares from me uh, for $100. So I have to set aside $100, but I'm getting a $2 premium and I have to set aside this $100 for a month and I'm getting a $2 premium. So that is like a 2% return in one month. And if you, if you annualize that, that, that is something like a 24% return per year. So Sometimes what happens is uh, an option may offer better value or you may be uh, the, 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 the possibility of an option strategy producing good returns may be higher than the possibility that the stock will produce those returns because this is a stock that I think will get me 10% per year. Whereas 
uh, if I follow this option strategy, I could potentially make something like 24%. Now, of course, that 24% is not guaranteed or anything like that. Uh, tomorrow, the stock could, uh, you know, uh, go go to $150, and then I may not may or may not be comfortable selling an option at $150. So all all these things can happen, but if you systematically list the risks and the rewards of an option strategy, sometimes it may turn out that the option strategy offers better returns than the stock strategy. And there's nothing wrong about, I mean, this is also fundamental investing so because you're determining the intrinsic value of the stock. And then you're saying, okay, I'm willing to buy this stock at that intrinsic value, or maybe even with a margin of safety built in. So this is, there, there is some fundamental quality to this strategy, but it is an option strategy. It's not a stock strategy. So there is definitely uh, a place for option strategies, uh, e even in fundamental investing. But of course, it, it's up to you. Uh, some, some people may just say, it's just a lot simpler to buy the stock and get the 10%. And that, that is fine too. So you, you have to sort of make that determination for yourself. That, does that answer the question? Yes, great. Uh, uh, sure. Thanks. And w what is what is the other question? I, I... The uh, the second one is on the more on hedging strategy. Oh um, yeah, the the hedging strategies. Yes. Um, so uh, it's true that uh, so I I know some people who are fairly successful at using these kinds of hed hedging strategies. So uh, usually they do things like this around the earnings calls. So uh, for for example, uh, let's say Facebook is going to have its earnings call, right? Um, so we, we just uh, crossed the, the end of a quarter. So Facebook is going to uh, report first quarter earnings. And then, uh, so the stock is going to move after earnings. But the only thing is we don't know whether the stock will move down or whether the stock will move up. That's likely to be a big movement. So uh, one, one thing to do is there are option strategies that let you bet uh, on the fact that there'll be a big, movement. So no, not a fact, uh, there's, there's a strong likelihood of, of a big movement. So if you think that you know, after Facebook releases earnings, the stock is going to move in a big way, but you don't know whether it's going to move up or move down. So one way to sort of capitalize on, uh, one, one way to make profits on that is to, is to buy uh, both a call and a put. It's not exactly like that. I mean, there, there, there are uh, several wrinkles on, on top of this strategy. But if you buy both a call and a put, what happens is uh, if the stock goes up, the call is going to become very valuable. And if the stock goes down, the put is going to become very valuable. So you, you've sort of hedged your bets. You, you don't have to predict how Facebook will move after earnings. You just have to be comfortable predicting that it is going to make a big move either up or down. So you can do th this kind of thing. And uh, I know people who, who do this uh, fairly profitably, uh, but I, I myself have not done uh, any of these uh, these hedges uh, sim simply because um, when you buy options, there is always a chance that you lose 100% of whatever you put in. And I am usually very uncomfortable with bets where you can lose 100% of whatever you put in. So that that so I I don't do uh, that that kind of thing. I I'm much more of an option seller uh, than an option buyer. Uh, but but okay. but yes, if if you have a diversified set of such bets, sure you can use you can lose hundred percent on any any individual bet. But you may be able to arrange things in such a way that uh, you will still uh, have a very good probability of uh, getting a good return from the portfolio of bets. And and there are people who do all these things fairly successfully, but I, I am not one of those people. Okay, thank you. I Maybe one follow-up uh, question, maybe you can choose to answer maybe towards the end, uh, if, if that is okay. Do we need to be, okay, how is the tax efficient option we need to work out? Will it be in for choosing option instrument? Because there is a capital, short-term capital gain and the other uh, aspects to it, right? Uh, how do we right. uh, utilize uh, this like should it be suitable for tax deferred account or or is there any other strategy that we can uh, utilize for to be more tax efficient when we're dealing with options 
Uh, right. So, um, unfortunately, options are not super tax efficient. So, uh, especially if you're an options seller, uh, a lot of things uh, are treated as though they are short-term capital gains. E- even if you uh, sell options that have expiry more than one one year into the future, there are lots of uh, uh, things that are treated as short-term capital gains. So, uh, you have to make such a high return from your option strategy that uh, even with the tax, it makes sense to pursue that strategy. So, it, but it's it's not a tax efficient uh, way to do things. Got it, thanks. Uh, I think that is also one sure. of the important variable to consider, sure. thank you. Uh, yes, absolutely. So so uh, we have another question from, from Justin. Yeah, hi, Tenkei. So I just had a follow-up question in regards to um, what we were talking about earlier in regards to a long-term uh, equity options leaps. Right. Um, so you were talking about uh, the 175 um, strike price for the one-year option. And then you That's said uh, the premium was about $19.85. And then therefore the stock needed to be over $194.85 in a year's time to realize a profit. And then um, I was just looking at the options chain and then if it's like $120, then the premium, if the strike price is 120, then the premium is about $57. Right. So it's only, you only need it to be above 177 then to turn a profit. Can you just kind of explain how like, if it's very in the money, like how different is it from something that's slightly out of the money? Right. Um, So, uh, Yes. Uh, so, so if if you, you well, so uh, there there are a couple of things here. The the first thing is uh, if if you are looking at a hundred and twenty dollar uh, strike. So so right now Apple is trading at something like a, a hundred and seventy dollars a share or or something like that. So if you want the right to to buy Apple at hundred and hundred and twenty dollars a share, then um, uh, essentially, you you are asking for the right to buy something at $120, which is currently selling for $170 or thereabouts. So uh, it's at least uh, uh, the, the right is going to cost you at least $50 because if you, if you could get this right at say say $40, uh, then uh, you, you you can get this right for $40 and then you can go. Uh, use this right to buy stock at $120. So you, uh, you're $160 out, but then the stock is trading at $170. So you could make a $10, there's a $10 arbitrage opportunity. And the market hates uh, arbitrage opportunities and will price itself to uh, eliminate all these opportunities. So the, the option will trade at at least $50. Now the question is, um, okay, are you willing to buy this option or not? So it is true that if you're willing to buy this option, then you don't have to be as bullish on Apple as you would have to be if you had to buy the 175 strike option. Because with the 175 strike option, you make money only if uh, it, it uh, if the if the stock price goes above 175 plus the premium, which is uh, I don't know nineteen dollars or something like that. Whereas with with the 120 dollar option, uh, you you make money much sooner. So uh, you, you don't require Apple to be at such a high level. Uh, you, you, you require Apple to be at maybe 170, uh, let's see, one, one, 177 and 72 or something like that. So that, that, that is all that you need. So, so your hurdle rate is, your, your hurdle for Apple is much lower. Uh, now, of course, if Apple decides to go down 10% and close down 10%, then it doesn't really matter whether you buy the 175 strike or the one, uh, uh, 120 strike, you're still going to lose all your money. Uh, but of course, uh, you're going to be spending, uh, if, if you have a certain fixed amount of capital, say say you have $10,000 to put on this option, the, the 175 strike uh, uh, costs you say $20, $20 a piece, right? So uh, what, what you can do so twenty dollars a piece means two thousand uh, dollars because each uh, each contract is for hundred shares. So twenty times hundred is two thousand dollars per contract. 
So you can, uh, if your budget is $10,000 to put into this option, you can buy five contracts uh, because each contract costs something like $2,000. So with five contracts, you're essentially controlling 500 shares of Apple. Uh, but if you wanted to buy this 120 strike option, now you can't buy five contracts because each contract is much more expensive. Each contract is like $60, right? Uh, so, so uh, or, or each share, is, uh, each individual option to buy a single share is $60. Uh, so 5772, I'm rounding up to 60. Uh, so a contract costs $6,000. So if your budget is $10,000, uh, you, you can buy only one contract. Uh, because if, if even if you want to buy two contracts, you you'll be exceeding your uh, your, your budget. So uh, you have to ask yourself: with one contract, you control only 100 shares of Apple. So uh, you have to ask yourself how bullish you are, and how much capital you have to devote to this. So so there are these trade-offs, and you, you have to pick uh, a, a strike price and an expiry date that that sort of work for you with with your capital. Uh, does, does that answer the question? Uh, yeah, it does. Thank you. Okay, perfect. Looks like we don't have any uh, other callers. So if you, if you guys have more questions, you can you can always send me a DM or something like that, and I'll be happy to answer them. So th thank you all very much for showing up. Uh, it's been great. I've, I, I very much enjoyed the show. And I hope you guys learn some things about options that I had no idea when I first started trading them. So thank, thank you all very much and see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.